Before I start the show, I want to talk about StarStock. The site has now launched in beta, and you can deposit, purchase cards, view your collection, and flip those cards in the marketplace with more being built. StarStock is building a sports card marketplace aimed to be faster and cheaper for flipping sports cards than any other platform. They're currently looking for people who want to submit their cards to sell on the platform. Here's what they're offering. A 5% commission, no ingestion fees, you send in your cards and they do all the work. The cards are guaranteed and secured in a vault, and you can choose to ship your cards back at any time. You can buy, flip, or store cards with a click of a button. If you're interested in getting involved as a seller, contact Mike at Mike at Starstock.com. Starstock is only looking for rookie cards and prospects of current players. For more details, contact Mike at Starstock.com. And let's get on with the show. You're listening to the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute, a podcast where we discuss both the hobby and business sides of collecting. I'm your host, Mike Summer, and I want to help you buy, sell, and trade your way into a collection you'll love. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute. It's 5.40 in the morning, I'm drinking my coffee, and I get to have an exciting conversation with you today. And I'm excited today because I get to talk about something that, um, you know, it is fun for me sometimes, and that is the fact that I was wrong. I blew it, I was short-sighted, I was shallow in my thinking, and I screwed up my initial view of the Topps 2020 project, or the Topps Project 2020. So today I thought I would just spend a few minutes talking about where my head was at when this first came out, how my thinking about the Project 2020 has evolved, and what my approach has been over that time as things did start to evolve. I'm going to talk about a little bit about what I've tested from a buying and selling perspective, maybe even a little bit about where I think this project is headed. But but most of all, I just want to kind of talk about what this project is all about, why I am enjoying it now, both from a hobby perspective as well as from a business learning perspective. So that's what I thought we could cover today. But first, I want to make sure I shout out Underdog Collectibles, one of my sponsors. They're a shop based out of Knoxville, Tennessee, but they're available anywhere. If you go to the website, udogcollect.com, and you can get in on some of their breaks. This week, they're going to be breaking Bowman, Select, Tribute, Baseball, and a few other basketball products. They've got a special code going right now to save $5 off your first break of $20 or more. And so if you use the code WAXPACKHERO, you can receive $5 off your first break of $20 or more, and that should be good through May 31st. Remember, always bet on the underdog at udogcollect.com. First, in case you're not familiar with the 2020 project, I'll give a little bit of a background. Earlier this year, Topps announced that they were going to partner with 20 different artists to reimagine 20 iconic rookie cards from the past. Each artist was going to do their own version of these 20 cards. And it sounds like, for the most part, they're given that card as a template, as a base. But they weren't necessarily going to have to stick exactly to it. They could use their own artistic impressions to design a card or design the card however they would want to do. And so that's been kind of cool to see a little bit of each artist's flavor on things. When it first came out, what one of the first things that stood out to me that I didn't really like was the price point. Each of these cards was going to be $20 a piece. 
And when I saw that there was going to be 400 total cards in the set, thinking about the fact of of dropping $8,000 on this set was kind of staggering to me. And so that price point was the first thing that stood out to me. And I don't know, maybe that's because I'm cheap. Maybe that's because that cost consciousness, it was standing out in me so much. I think that initial price shock or sticker shock really caused me to overlook a lot of the other aspects about this set. I was used to paying, you know, $5 to $8 for the living set cards. And even to me, that was expensive of paying $10 or $15 a week, depending on when you were buying your living set cards, just to build that set out forever. That just seemed like such a, an expensive, uh, expensive purchase. Well, I didn't look at the fact that these living set or these 2020 sets were going to be a little bit different than that. It, it wasn't just going to be a standard base card stock and things like that. There's a lot more that was going into this. I was looking at it from a very traditional card collecting mindset. I was not thinking about it from the art perspective, from a sports art perspective. And I think really that was where my first mistake started, thinking about it from a traditional card collecting mindset, not the fact that the primary audience for these cards might not be traditional card collectors. Many of these artists have huge followings that I wasn't familiar with because I didn't really know very many of these artists. And so they have pretty huge followings who are used to paying well more than $20 for a print or a piece of their artwork. In the art world, that $20 price point isn't that high. It is for a single card for us on some of these on-demand products, but that's not really that high of a price point in the art world. And that's something that I kind of completely overlooked. The second thing that I completely overlooked was... I disregarded the success of past on-demand products. I should have known better. I saw the living set. I missed out on that from the very beginning. It took me, I joined that a few months into it. It took me a few months to catch up. But I saw the lower print runs from the earlier releases. I saw how much I had to pay to get caught up on those. And they spiked well over $100, even $150 maybe in, in some of those cases. The Montgomery Club was successful for people who got in early. Throwback Thursday was successful for people who got in early. Total was successful for people who got in early. And these early adopters benefited from getting on board early on. Why shouldn't I have taken the chance on this one as well? You know, I, I need to continue to challenge myself to think differently when I'm analyzing what products I want to buy and sell. I can't just think about the current current trading card market i need to think about who else might this product appeal to what what else have we seen do well and i think that is one of the things that we've seen success with in this project 2020 is it is bringing a whole new segment of the market into trading cards there's been lots of anecdotal evidence already of some of these artists saying People they know or friends of theirs said that, hey, I saw that you're doing these cards. That's really cool. I'm going to buy some. That's a great price. And you know what? I'm enjoying these so much. I'm going to start exploring other sports cards. I used to collect as a kid. Maybe I'm going to get back into it. And it's another way that the card community is growing. It's growing with a different segment or a new segment, but it's growing. And that's good for all of us. All right. So now let's talk a little bit about the cards themselves. But I think it's going to be important as I go through this to to put a timestamp that this podcast is being recorded um, in mid-May, and we're 76 cards into the set at the time of this recording. 
So where things go over the next 324 cards, I'm not exactly sure. We'll see. Time will play out. But from a, a frame of reference, this is being recorded in mid-May. I did not buy a card until card number 33, which is the Blake Jameson Don Mattingly. And I said, you know what? Maybe I'm going to experiment a little bit with this and see what happens. I wanted to go ahead and buy 10 because you get a significant discount. For me, it comes out to about $15.50 or so after tax and shipping to be able to buy 10 at a time. So I bought 10 Don Mattingly number 33s, and I bought 10 Mike Trout 35s, which I believe is the Thiel Trout. And that was what I started my experiment with. And I didn't buy any more for a couple weeks. And I wanted to see what what would happen when I got these cards in, what they would sell for, if I'd make any money or not. And and so that's what happened. I got I finally got my 10 Mattingly's and my 10 Trouts. I decided to keep one for myself and I sold the others. And so I listed the Mattingly's. When I got them, they were going for around $30 to $40 to, uh, on eBay. That was kind of a consistent selling price. So I listed the nine extras that I had for $39 the print run on that Mattingly was just over 2400 which was about average at the time. I wasn't sure what to expect. Well, right away, within the first day, somebody offered me $35 to buy all nine at once. And I jumped at that opportunity. That was more than double, or in, it probably was double after fees and shipping and everything was included. But I was like, man, I'm going to double my money in one day. I am going to be all over that. And so I did. And I was happy. I was like, hey, look how good I did with this. This experiment is going to work great. But one of the things that I think is kind of funny now looking back is that is turning into one of the lower print runs over the last several weeks. Those Mattingly's are now selling for $140 to $150 each. I doubled my money in a day. But here, what, two weeks later, they're selling for $150? Oh, my goodness. That just gives me even more excitement for about what this opportunity is going to be. Now, the Trouts aren't selling for quite as much. I've sold all of those for somewhere in that $27, $28, $30 range, $31. I think I might have sold a couple at $31 right in that range. And so my profit wasn't quite as high on those, but there was like five times the print run. There was over 13,000 print run for that trout card. So still profitable and, and definitely enough that I wanted to, to stick with it and see what else I might be able to do. That led me to start buying consistently later on, a couple weeks later with the Ricky Henderson number 57. And there was 3,800 cards printed for that one. I have not yet received any of those, but since that point from card 57 through card 76 now, I've bought at least two and some lots of five, some lots of 10. I'd really like to start getting them in because I don't like to do pre-sales with some of these. And so I want to wait till I have them in hand, make sure that they're not banged up, dinged up or, or anything like that before I list them. So I haven't really been able to sell any of these. You know, I've got quite a few cards that are going to be in the mail coming soon that I've I've kind of fronted the money on using some of my other profits because that's another thing I refuse to do is to go into debt or put any of these on a credit card. I only use card profits to pay for future card purchases and so I'm kind of waiting for some of these to come in before I can start to continue to go too deep. 
those 57, 58, 59, 60, the Henderson, Williams, Jeter, McGuire, Willie Mays, Suzuki, Tony Gwynn, several of those cards are also currently selling on eBay as pre-sales in that $30, $40, even $50 range. And so it still looks like things are, are moving pretty well. Now, about a week and a half ago, there was a, a Ben Baller card. It probably even started um, with Dwight Gooden, card number 65, and the Ken Griffey Jr. card 66, where we started to see a significant and consistent um, print volume bump. Gooden sold for over, her had over 5,000 copies. The Griffey was over 9,000. The next Ryan was over 3,000. A Clemente was over 8,500, 79, 67, 15,000 for the Ben Baller, Ricky Henderson. The print runs have really started to spike. Instead of cards being in the 1,000 to 2,000 range for kind of your, your normal your normal print runs for this, we're now in the five, six, seven thousand range. Many of these cards are pushing eight or nine thousand over these last couple weeks. The George Brett seventy-five and Sandy Koufax six, seven, uh, number seventy-six took a little bit of a step back with a print run in the five thousands and six thousand range, but it'll be interesting to see where things go. But we might be at a tipping point where these cards aren't a secret. There's more people jumping on buying ten, twenty, thirty with the intent to resell. I think there's the the popularity of the set is growing. And so this is going to be a great experiment about how big of a print run really starts to impact that secondary resale value. I'm not sure at these levels we're going to see those $150, $200, $300 price points or even maybe close to $1,000 for a couple of these cards at their peak. But I think there's still opportunity to to make a profit from buying and selling these cards and essentially be able to build the set for free by selling off some extras and using those profits to cover the cost of these cards. I think it's also going to be a a good test of how big is this card art market? How big of a following do some of these artists have? And is there going to be more and more people that enter into the 2020 market? And and how do those new entrances into the market support the prices that we're starting to see? So where's the project headed? I'm not a fortune teller. I don't know exactly. But based on the trends that I'm seeing from the work that I've done to kind of dig into this a little bit more, I think we're past the days of only having one or 2,000 cards sell when a new one comes out. I think we're in an era now where you're going to see maybe 5,000 be the minimum for some of the, the less popular designs from some of the less popular artists. But I think we're going to be pushing that eight to 10,000 cards on a pretty regular basis. And we're going to see some of the Trouts and Jeters and King Griffey Juniors and some of the more popular designs push that 20 to 30,000 range for a while. And I think we're going to see it start to tick up. And I wouldn't be surprised by later this summer if 10,000 is the new floor. And we see um, 30, 35,000, 40,000 maybe even on a couple of the more popular releases later on. I don't know that we're going to get too much higher than that, but who knows? We've got 320 cards to go or whatever. Who knows where this is going to go, but I'm going to be excited to to see what happens. One of the things I'm going to do to, to help track that and to help track my progress is update the blog that I wrote on WaxPackHero.com. I put out a Project 2020 blog over the weekend, 
in the middle of May where I kind of talked a little bit about some of the things I touched on earlier of how I overlooked this set at the beginning. I touched a little bit on card values. That's a section that will get updated over time. But I've also got a couple stat tables where I put together some pivot tables in Excel that rank the um the artists and what the average print run is for each artist. So you can see who has the more popular cards as well as by player. And so you can see which players have sold the most, both in total print run as well as average print run. The other thing that I've got on there is a photo checklist and I've got it both in order by the release of the card. You can click right on the card and it takes you to eBay. It is an affiliate link. And so if you do end up purchasing something that does help me out and help out the site a little bit. And then I've also got it broken down uh, using some filters by artist. And so you can see kind of the artist collection that all 20 artists, you can see each of the cards they've released so far that will be automatically updated every day as new cards are released. And so that could be a helpful tool if you want to dig in, explore the project 2020 a little bit more, see all of the cards together and see some of the stats associated with, with each of them. Eventually, we will have more and more pricing results and historical pricing in there so we can kind of see the trends that the prices have taken as well. But I view that as kind of a future expansion to this set. Well, let me know what you think. I know there's been a lot of talk online about Project 2020. I'm not the first person to touch on this. There's been some great interviews on About the Card, Sports Card Nation, a couple others where they have been interviewing some of the artists. And so that's not really the angle that I'm taking with this right now. You can go to those podcasts to listen to some of those interviews, but they've been very interesting to hear about. But I would appreciate if you checked out the blog post. Share it with your friends. Let me know what else you want to see when it comes to this set. If you don't like it, that's okay. Move on. Ken uh, Beans Ball Card Blog, this is for you. I know you've muted Project 2020 and you don't care at all about it, and that's fine. As I've always said, there's a product for everybody, and not everybody has to like every product. This is something that I'm having a lot of fun with, and I can't wait to see it both from a, a hobby growth perspective as well as an experiment in buying and selling and what marketing to a whole new audience can look like. That I think it applies to, to us in trading cards as well. Reach out, let me know, get a hold of me at waxpackhero at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter at TheMikeSummer. Please leave a rating and review on the podcast. It really helps other people find it. I know I say that all the time, but I really do appreciate it. And I've started to see it rank higher and higher in the other podcasts that you might like type filters and things like that on Apple Podcasts. So it is working and I really do appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in. And I'll catch you next time.